Okay, so I don't want to get myself into too much trouble here, but seven mistakes women make that repel a good man. Tell us a little bit about how you got here, what led you to write the book. Well, you know, it's that's a great question, Mike. And everything speaks from personal experience. I joke and I say that I graduated from the University of Ouch. That hurt. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> In the arena of romance results. <laughs> I think I think we're, I think we've all got a few credits at that university, right? I, I, I think we do. Yeah, some of us got PhD. I got my PhD. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. And I'll go cliche just for the purposes of teaching because it's just easier to understand. But, you know, I married Mr. Wrong the first Mm -hmm. time around. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second day after I was married, um, he says, I don't love you. And you can imagine my world just went crumbling down and went downhill from there very quickly. That must have been quite a shock. The second day after you were married. You'd think, okay, after maybe one year, right? But no, day two. Of what's supposed to be your honeymoon? I don't love you, and it's like ugh, you know, I music stops. Yeah, I it's too stopped. late. Yeah, right. And so that was the beginning of hell, and I eventually uh, escaped that marriage, and I had to go through a lot of healing afterwards. And but you know, God turns everything around for good. But something very interesting happened after I was divorced. I found myself on the floor in one of those ugly cry moments we girls have where our face is puffy, our eyes are swollen like chickens. And and I cried out to God and I said, how did I end up in this mess? How did I attract a man who was so broken and yellow marry him? I asked that you hold up a mirror to my face and show me how this happened. Because wow. I was devastated. My dreams were broken, everything. So, you know, I got to tell you, Mike. That was the beginning of an incredible journey of trans inner transformation that began that moment marked the beginning of my destiny, really. Mm. And uh, so during that process, uh, I had that spiritual mirror opened up to my eyes and I began to understand my part in the failure of our marriage. Now, it didn't excuse anything that bad that he had done because there were a lot of bad things, but also I could have blamed him for everything. But I had to take responsibility and Mike, that takes courage to take responsibility and to be able to look at ourselves and what was our part. It's the height height of maturity. Right. And so I I can to this. You have a coin and on one side of the coin are men and on the other side of the coin are women. And each is 100% responsible for their side of the coin. So my book is focused on helping women identify their side of the coin. But you know, what's really amazing, it's kind of surprising for me is I've had a lot of, I have several reviews from men who are reading my book and have read it. And yeah, and, and what's happening is they are actually receiving some healing from reading what I've, I've written in the book to help women. And it's giving them a different understanding of the dynamics that may have occurred in their previous marriage that didn't work out. And, and so it's been fascinating. And I interviewed several men, you know, for as part of my research for the book. Mm. And this was shocking for me across the board. They so they said that the number one opinion to them in their lives, that's the most important is that of their woman, their yep. wife, or their spouse, right? Yep. That's and see, true. Yes, that's right. And so women, we don't realize that. And so what happens is right now, you know, if you look at the last couple of years, three, four years, really, 
we've had a lot of trauma in America with all the lockdowns, the pandemic and all these things. And, and you've seen, we've seen the skyrocketing of divorced rates. I mean, they're up 34%. So there's a lot of trauma that was already high, by the way. Yeah. And they were already high. So we already had problems with relationship and that's impacting our kids as well. I mean, our generation. So, but so with that said, we've gotten away from the heart of the matter and the heart of the matter is getting back to our heart, but also being able to understand what is inside my heart. And so my first chapter in the book is called the Wiffum syndrome. Mm. What's in it for me syndrome. Yeah. And I want to share a little bit, a little example of that. You know, right now we've seen a lot of this predictive programming in the media. You know, they're stereotyping men, they're stereotyping women, they're stereotyping kids. But especially what we're seeing right now is a trend towards emasculation, emasculating men in their identity and their role. And so it's taking them away from this identity of men, good men want, they have, they have an inner superhero on the inside. They want to be superior. They, they want to do great for their, for their, for their woman, especially if her opinion is the most important for him. Right. right? right. But now you have this media programming where it's emasculation and it's female dominance. And I'm going to give you a little example of this. So I was on Facebook and a friend of mine posted a meme and she loves her husband. So she would never intentionally, you know, do something that would emasculate him. Mm. And sure, it was funny. Ha ha. But here was the meme. The meme was what, to the effect of whatever bad traits your kids have, it's your husband's fault. <laughs> right. So we laugh, but what it's is kind of funny? It is funny, but let's unpack that. Let's dig deeper. This is what my book does is help you go deeper. So really what that message is saying, it's all your husband's fault. And think about this other saying, right? Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> but right. guess what? The women that I've met in my journeys, uh, too many to count have who have the the story, the sad ending, the unhappy ending of a divorce because they were married for 20 years, 30 years, and their husband up and says, well, I don't love you and I'm leaving you. And then he goes with another woman or he leaves her. Well, guess what? I have a saying that is happy spouse, happy house, because okay. you see, you're right. And so when, when a woman hears those words uh, from her husband, I want to divorce you. Of course, she's devastated, you know, but we then have to get to this place where we have to look at what is my WIFM? Where am I operating in the WIFM syndrome? What's in it for me syndrome? Mm-hmm. And I'll start with myself. When I married Mr. Wrong, and this obviously got unpacked over time as I grew and studied women who did have successful relationships, what were they doing that was different than me? How, how were they responding to different scenarios? What, what kind of energy did they emanate from, from within that was attractive? So and so really, you really dove deep into this. Oh, I do. I do. And I do it in a way that's funny because I have really funny stories of really stupid things I did. And, and, and people are going to read them. And you're like, wow, she did that. Oh, well, I'm not, I guess I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not that bad. Right. But when I initially married Mr. Wrong, my with them, what was in it for me was my mindset was that it was all about what he was going to do for me, how he was going to help me make my dreams come true, help me in my career, help me in my music ministry. It was me, 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 me. So it was a very selfish mindset. Mm. 
Mm. And so you do have a healthy form of WIFM, which is good for business. You have healthy boundaries, but the heart attitude is how can I serve this person and how can we have a mutual benefit where one's not taking and stealing and one's not just giving, giving, giving. But see, my mindset was all about me, what I was going to get and what he was going to give. And so my mindset wasn't a serving attitude. It was a selfish attitude. But of course, I didn't realize that. That's why, you know, sevenmistakesbook.com is so poignant because these are mistakes we don't, most women um, don't realize that we're actually making. So that got me into trouble. The Wolfram syndrome got me into trouble the first time around because I wanted to, I loved having the title of a wife. I was going to be married, have a ring on my finger, you know, and he was going to do all these things for me. How often have you heard a woman say, oh, at least I've heard it. I just want a man to take care of me. Right. 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 And so that is a prime example, a subtle example of the Witham syndrome. And so then you carry that into the marriage and, you know, 15 years goes by and it's all about you. Happy wife, happy life, not happy spouse, happy house. And then you end up in divorce and you end up with an unhappy marriage or feeling disconnected from your partner if you are married. And so it's, it's, it's very, very impactful as you start to unpack it. And here's the key, Mike. We have to be willing to give ourselves permission to change our mind, given new information. So I gave God permission to change my mind and I gave myself permission to change my mind, given the revelations that then began to present themselves to me and how my heart really was. Well, I think, I think that is such a smart point. And I think that it's easy for people to hear the title of this book and maybe even people on kind of the left side of the political spectrum, progressives, and say to themselves, well, she just wants women to be stepward wives, you know, to kind of fit that mold. Right. It's not really about that. It's about identifying and canceling out sabotaging behaviors. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'll give you an example. So uh, at one of my women's conferences called Women of Royalty, and I had uh, it, my conferences I, that I do, I focus a lot on inner healing because, see, there's a root cause of everything. You know, they say that the root cause of all addictions is really the need for love. Right. And right. And so it's that need for love that drives us to make different choices for different reasons. And, and when that need isn't addressed, or acknowledge that's what gets us into trouble. So, so she came to my conference and I'd been doing some coaching with her. And at my conference, I also teach these principles. And she, when she came, she had her divorce papers in hand. They were signed by the attorney, ready to go. She couldn't stand her husband and he couldn't stand her. And they had oh. been married for 25 years oh, of this. Yes. Not a fun marriage, if you ask me. And so she came with that attitude. And let me tell you, a year and a half later, I, I hear from her and she, and she says, Joanna, you're just not going to believe I am more in love with my husband today than I have ever, even before I got married to him. Well, this and, is, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, this is what's fascinating about this, this kind of this discipline, because, you know, the reason I wanted to have you on is because these, these folks that are pushing these um, agendas that you alluded to a moment ago, they identified very early on that the nuclear family was the building block of society. 
Mm-hmm. And so if they wanted to break down a society, they had to start with the nuclear family. And that's right. why they broke down social mores against divorce. They made divorce very easy. You get, you get divorced at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. That's why they broke down social mores against sexual promiscuity. All this stuff served to break down the family. And what you're doing is you're concent- you're literally trying to put the pieces back together of an entire society. And this is why this is not just, you know, a fun coffee table book that you can talk about with some friends. This is really the defining issue of our time, I feel like. And I'm not I'm not trying to get too deep, but I really honestly believe that's what's happening. And that's the power of the 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 work that you put together. Your thoughts. You know, I I would agree for such a time as this, you know, it took me five years to birth this book. And, um, you know, and and I love it when people say, oh, I had I'm an author and it was easy for me to write this book. And I'm like, well, that's great. But that wasn't my story. (laughs) (laughs) And you did something wrong, right? I, I literally had to sit and force myself to sit in front of the computer for one hour and I was not allowed to do anything and tell myself to write one sentence. Right. You know, and it takes courage. You know, I'm very vulnerable in my book and I made every single one of these mistakes. And then what happened is, is as I became aware of what was really in my heart, then I began to, to realize and see my friends making these mistakes and they were still single or my friends that had disconnected marriages and they were unhappy in their marriages. Mm -hmm. And I started to see this, wow, there, there's an issue here. I'm not the only one that's been doing this. And like I said, you know, we're not, uh, you know, on purpose, you know, trying to deactivate the superhero in our men, we just don't realize it. And so when we, and when we start to come into this, because we don't want to be mean, we don't want to make somebody feel bad on purpose, you know, but like you just said, if there is an agenda to tear apart the fabric of America, it's to attack the family unit. And that's what's happened. So my heart is to help each of us get back to that place within ourselves in that in our heart and to be able to get real and to be able to get back to that place of 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 loving someone loving ourselves you know i mean women struggle with um identity i did i struggled tremendously with identity and in chapter two it's called the beautiful you Mm -hmm. and i i help women come back in that place that 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 she is a beautiful princess of the king of heaven. Now, most, a lot of women hearing that, they're going to go, oh, yeah, well, that, I don't feel that way. Well, that's, I know, I understand. I didn't feel that way either. And, um, and, and there's a very simple principle that I talk about in learning how to come better into understanding of loving yourself. And this is the principle of learning how to accept a compliment and receive a compliment. Do you know that I'm terrible at accepting compliments? Oh, really? Well, then I have a challenge for you. Mike. Okay. Yes. So part of the reason that we, um, and I was, the, I was the queen of rejecting compliments and pushing it back. <laughs> yeah. And part of that for me, I discovered was because I struggled with part of me felt unworthy mm. and I felt undeserving. And so that has to do with identity. I didn't realize the full value of my worth. And here's the other thing. I didn't realize that when someone gave me a compliment, they were actually giving me a gift. Hmm. And I didn't realize this until I was, I was in prayer and I had this vision and I saw myself, I was preparing this beautiful bouquet of flowers for my dear friend. And I would put all this thought into it and the colors and the fragrances and this beautiful, sparkly, you know, uh, diamond, not diamonds, but, you know, just 
decor. And so I hand my friend the, the, the bouquet and she looks at it and she scowls and then she grabs it out of my hand and then she slaps my face with the bouquet Whoa. and petals are flying everywhere. Wait and I, I where this is a vision. I'm seeing myself in this vision. This is what happened in the vision. Yeah. And so my initial reaction was shock, like, <gasps> and then I'm angry and then I feel rejected. And then mm-hmm. God spoke to me and said, this is how you make people feel, Joanna, when you reject the gift of their compliment. That bouquet uh. represents the co- a compliment. So someone has thought enough about me to give me a compliment and uh, to take time to notice something positive about me. But what did I do? I rejected their compliment. So essentially, I was slapping them in the face, say, I'm sorry, what you're saying is not true. I don't believe it. And you're a liar. And then calling negative attention to myself on top of that. That is so powerful. Yeah. You know, I, so we get a lot of mixed messages. And I think that that story that you just told is, is part of that as well, part of the un, unworthiness. And I think a lot of people are kind of shocked once they get into a marriage. Um, they're in shock over the kind of work that it takes, the work with your partner and the work with your, the work with yourself. Um yeah. I feel like people view it as a box to be checked rather than a partnership that you're entering into for better, literally for better or for worse. Is that what your work has, has revealed to you as well? You know, I used to feel like that uh, when I was in my single journey, I felt like it would have been all this work because, you know, my first, my being married to Mr. Wrong the first time was, was a nightmare. And so I had to work to get out of that mindset. And so as I started to come into this greater awareness and this and greater healing within my soul, um, becoming whole, I began to focus on building that inner core in me and focus on working on myself and, and stop looking and comparing myself to other women. Cause you know, women have a tendency to uh, be jealous of each other because they compare and compete. But I talk about, and I teach let's contrast and complete each other. Mm. and celebrate that. So when um, when I married Mr. Wright, Dr. David Herobedian, I was already in that healed place. And, and David had already worked on himself as well. And so when we first met, we weren't attracted to each other, actually. Mm. And right, I thought he was a great guy. He thought I was a great person. And we were introduced by a mutual friend. And really, it was just for ministry purposes that her intention was that we should meet. And so then a couple of weeks after meeting him, I felt inclined to donate and support his prison ministry that provides Bibles, beautiful Bibles for, for in, inmates. They have a waiting list. And so he calls me not realizing it was the same woman to thank me for my donations. And then it comes, you know, we started talking and then we became friends and then we became prayer partners and, you know, he's international speaker. And so I would support him in prayer and what have you. Well, eight months of this goes by. At that time, I was living in California and David was living in Missouri where he had his ministry. Mm-hmm. And then about eight months later, he comes back to California for a speaking engagement and asked me to sing. Now, he doesn't—he didn't know at that time that I sing in Hebrew. And so, um, but when I walked into that facility, the minute I stepped one foot through the door and our eyes met to say hello, it was like a veil was lifted off both of us at the same time. And we had a mutual instant spark. But see, we already had this foundation. Now, here's what I, I want to share with this. When David and I were in our friendship stage, 
you know, this, this is a place where when you, when you're dating someone, you want to look at the little keys because little keys unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And so we were on the phone and we were talking and he, he had to get off the phone. Well, he said, Oh, I'll be right back. I just have to take this call really quick and I'll get right back to you. I said, okay, no problem. So I wait and I wait and I wait and I I'm on the left on the eternal hold. <laughs> so I get irritated. And in your mind, you're thinking, how long should I wait? Should I hang up? Right. right yeah, exactly. Right, right. Right. So then we have another second conversation at a different time. And then the same thing happens again. So now I'm seeing a pattern here. I'm like, okay, now I'm really getting irritated. So <laughs> I take my irritation up to God. I pray through. And then I had two choices on how I could handle this. Now the old whiff from Joanna, what's in it for me would have accused him on the next conversation and said, you know, I can't believe how rude you are. You've left me on hold twice already. All you have to do is say something, right? So my tone, it's accusatory. I'm immediately assuming that he's doing it on purpose. Right. Or I could have handled it the way that I did. So the way that I did was I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure. I said, you know, I know that you would never intentionally dishonor, disrespect me or my time. He's like, oh no, I wouldn't. And I said, well, you know, the last couple of times we've been on, on the calls, um, I've been left on that eternal hold. And I know, you know, my time's valuable. And, you know, can you just do me a favor? He said, sure. I said, next time you have to be on the, get off the call and we're on the call together. Just let me know. Hey, I got to take this call and I'll call you later. I have no problem with that. He's like, absolutely. So you see little keys unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. So for his side of the coin, had I responded, and he's a, he's healthy, he's emotionally healthy, has a healthy emotional IQ, okay? So from his perspective, if I had responded with, well, you, I can't believe how rude you are, la, 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 he would have gone, okay, she's got some problems, bye, and I would have <laughs> repelled a good man. That's right? right. That's the title, Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men and How to Reverse Them. And so on my, from my perspective, on my side of the coin, if he had not honored my, um, my request that I spoke in a nice way and would have continued to dishonor me, I would have said, bye-bye. I would have known that door shut because whatever is not healed up in a marriage or worked out before you get married, it's only going to get worse after you get married. And don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll skip that follow-up question, but no, but I think, I think that's a great point because when you come down like a ton of bricks on a person automatically, even if they're in the wrong, they automatically get their back up and they get kind of right. defensive. And now you're in this thing where who's going to win, right? Who's going to win right. this interaction? Who's going to win this, this argument, but the way you went about it, um, you kind of gave him a way to, you gave you gave the both of you a chance to win and a way to win, right? right? Now both of yeah. you have a, a way out of this mess. So I think that's kudos to you. I think that's that's great. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So and then tying that back to your question, you know, do I find it hard to you know find myself in a box in a marriage having to work on on things? No, because I have the skills. See, and so when I when you have the skills. I, in a, those relationship skills, then sure, there's every, there's always going to be an issue that's going to come up, you know, marriage, marriage is you may, like thunder and lightning sometimes. And so, but you have to know how to feel the lightning and feel the thunder and diffuse it. And you, there doesn't have to be this constant head bashing and accusing and, and getting in this really ugly hamster wheel. 
But see, to get off that hamster wheel, you know, I often I hear, well, my husband's doing this and this and this. And this was my friend. Oh, not my friend, but the woman who came to the conference. This was her. My husband is this and he's that and he's that and he's that and he's done this. And I'm sick and tired of 25 years of blah, blah, blah. Right. But she wasn't looking at what she's done for the last 25 years by condemning him, berating him, criticizing him. And I'll give you an example of a small criticism that is what I call a superhero deactivator behavior. Yeah. And it's so something so, so simple. So he would take out the trash. And every time that he took out the trash, he would leave the trash bag out. He wouldn't put the trash bag back into the trash can. So she would get really irritated. Oh, you mean the new one? The new the bag? new one, right. The new trash right. bag, right. right. So he wouldn't put okay. the new trash bag in the trash can. Right. So she would come in and, and go... He left the trash bag out of the trash. He didn't put the new trash bag in again. And what would she, what would she say to him? You know, you you always for, you never put the trash bag, the new one back into the trash can. I can't believe you keep doing that. Right. Right. Well, how could she have handled this instead? She could have said, well, thank you, honey, for taking out the trash. I really appreciate it. He would have been like, oh, she, she appreciates what I did. And Mm. then she could have just put the trash bag in in the new bag in the can herself. That's what I do. My husband, David. He mm. takes out the trash and doesn't put a new trash bag in. What do I say? Oh, thank you, honey. I really appreciate that. And guess what? He's, he's inspired to do it again because it pleased me. Mm. But, and I just put the, the new bag in myself. And so this is, these are the little keys that unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. You know, and every woman wants to have her knight in shining armor with his strong arms around her, her superhero. And every man wants to be that superhero and have his strong arms around his woman, right? That's mm-hmm. what that beautiful connection is between a man and a woman. But, you know, with last few years, like we talked about, there's been so much disconnect and so much predictive programming to program us in the opposite direction apart from each other instead of being connected to each other. Because there's nothing more amazing than a, can, a beautiful connection between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. Yes, yeah, so like it. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you see as the dangers of these messages that keep getting pushed on us that men, because the big thing now is, right, the big question now is, are men necessary, right? No, men are not necessary. You know, women don't need men. Women need men just as much as men need women. Um, right. What do you What do you see there? What do you see about the, the, the uh, that are the dangers of, of that? Well, it's what we're currently seeing that's manifesting with this this media, you know, messaging. Oh, we don't need a man. It's like look at the Bar- latest Barbie movie. Now, I did not go see it. I won't go see it. Yeah. I just have clips of it, right? And but in one of the scenes in the Barbie movie, this there's a scene where all the Kens are in the dreary place. They're in the dreary place, the dreary land. They're unhappy. They don't need women. And the Barbies are in the Barbie land and it's full of color and they don't need the Kendalls because they have a great life, right? Right. (laughs) Well, if this is working so well, why do we have one out of four people who are lonely? Right. Okay. It's clearly not working. Why do we have our children who are, are being estranged and, and they have mental health issues, you know, mental health has, is at an ill, you know, trouble with mental health is an all time high. So these are the dangers we're already seeing. So we're already seeing the manifestations of the damage that's happening. And now it's time to come back, to come back to the basics, to come back, to get back in touch with ourselves. First of all, 
you know, and then to be able to come back and reconnect with each other Mm -hmm. and begin to work on that, you know, and when the, when the woman who came to my conference, you know, she had those divorce papers signed, ready to go. She, she was manifesting exactly what we've been talking about. It was all his fault. She hadn't, there was nothing she did in this failure of this marriage to contribute to it. But when she had that mindset shift and she realized, wow, and she was first of all willing, this is why I was so proud of her because she was willing to take responsibility and give new information and change her mind. You see, that takes courage and it takes humbleness. So she practiced tremendous courage by being willing to do that and, instead of saying, well, he should change first or he should do this first. She said, okay, I'm going to look at my side of the coin right now. And then I'm going to make adjustments. And guess what happened when she got home, she started to respond differently to him instead Mm. of the usual song and dance Mm. of competing, nitpicking, criticizing this and that you you don't do this for me. You don't do that. And she started to affirm him and she started to appreciate the little things that he was doing. And that broke that it broke that hamster wheel. And now they're, they're, they're so happy together. They have a, partnership. They, they have a marriage. Now they've had to work through it. Yeah. They, because they had, there was a lot of hurt there, you know, for on both sides, there's a lot of hurt and forgiveness needed to happen, but they were willing to do that. So he was willing to take responsibility and say, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I did do this and I'm sorry. And part of my reason for doing this was this, it didn't make it right. So see, so they were now both able to take responsibility for their side of the coin and then be able to affirm and validate each other's feelings. And so now that she she's so grateful and so thankful because this changed both of their destinies, both of their lives, and and has been a tremendous witness for everyone who is watching their journey together. That's exactly right. And I and I feel like that's where the true power is in the ripple effects of yeah. repaired relationships, right? Because right. if if they, the nebulous they, as my friend Bill Quinn likes to call them, if they want to break down the family, um, you should never do what your enemy wants you to do. And right. if, this, if this is what they're going for, then we have to fight and we have to try to keep these units together. The exact opposite of what they want is what's going to be beneficial to us. Mm-hmm. And this is why work like the work you're doing is worthwhile. And this is why... I want people who are watching to go out and buy this book and and read up on this kind of stuff because this is going to help. It's not just going to help your house. It's going to help your house first and foremost, but mm-hmm. it's going to help all of our houses eventually. This mm-hmm. is the power here. Mm-hmm. It really is. And they can find the book at seven mistakes, the number seven, seven mistakes book.com. It's on Amazon. It's in Kindle audio and softback. And here's the other thing that's really interesting that's happening is, you know, people are saying, you know what, I want to have, I want to, I want my sisters to, to read this book. I want to do a study group study with my sisters. I want to have a Bible group study. I have had, I have churches that are calling me that want to have this as part of their curriculum to really help women get back into that place and help families because this is not just like you said, it's not just about our family. It's all about, it's about the generations as well. Yes. What are we going to do? Have these kids who have absolutely no, no clue? I went to the. I went to uh, David and I went out to dinner. This was uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, we showed this. He showed the server my, the book title because uh, it hadn't come out yet, and and she looked at the title of the book and she read it to herself and she said, 
oh my God, this is my life. And she was a millennial. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's how sad is that? Because she was clueless. So our kids are clueless on how to have a great interpersonal, healthy relationship. And so, and we have become that way. We've been dumbed down in this arena and now it's time to get our emotional IQs back and take it back. I heard you say something in the few minutes that we have left here. I heard you say something that if you haven't already done so, you need to go out and trademark this thing and get it on bumper stickers and t-shirts and mugs and whatever else kind of paraphernalia. It's trademarked. (laughs) God is the best psychiatrist. He is. He's he's the best shrink in the universe. That is so great. I know. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, the healing that I've had, because, you know, I I was traumatized and married to Mr. Wrong. And sure, I had to go through that. And I got to say, God is the best therapist I've ever had in the entire universe. I mean, Mm -hmm. he identifies things in me that I don't even see in myself, you know, so everything started with humbling myself and inviting him into my place of pain, inviting him into the mistakes that I made without condemnation. Because we, that, you know, God is, does not condemn us. You know, he loves us, but he also convicts us so that we don't stay in that place, that stuck place. So that's where it all started. Hold up a mirror to my face, God, and show me how, show me my heart. Show me how I ended up in this mess. And then I gave myself permission to change my mind, given new information and be willing and practice courage to humble myself. And that's what my book helps you do is just practice courage and, and, and the revelations that are going to come that you're going to receive out of it, it's, you're going to just have these epiphanies and go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then you're going to have the skills and know how to change the results. Because if what we're doing isn't working, then we have to do something different, right? Right. Right. Joanna, I think this is, this is very, very um, important work. You are, you are repairing broken homes. And you are helping to keep homes together that are on the verge of breaking. So um, honestly, I don't, I don't know what could be more important in, in our day and age. Um, thank you very much for coming by. Give the folks the web address one more time so they know where to find that book. Sevenmistakesbook.com. So the number sevenmistakesbook.com. And it's also on Amazon. So sevenmistakesbook.com. Thanks for taking the time. Come back. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me.